Lord. Our Father, in the name of your Son Jesus, we receive revelation that is found in Christ alone. There is no confusion, there is no contradictions in this atmosphere. We can behold you as we see ourselves in Him. There is no confusion, there is no error in this atmosphere. Your name alone is glorified as we identify. Amen. All right, let's be seated. Praise God. Taking your place in Christ. Dominion, taking your place in Christ. Let's um, continue from where we stop. Can everybody hear me? Can you hear me? All right, cool. Taking your place in Christ. Dominion. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers here. Oh, okay, sorry. Because there's a lot of Mother's Day celebration now. You don't even know which is which now. So, um, if, I, I think each country has their own Mother's Day, right? When is America's on? May 12th. May 12th? Ah, wow. So, I'm going to post my mother twice. Nah, she's going to take this one like that. <laughs> All right. Ephesians 1, 17. Are you glad to be in service this morning? You should be. All right. Let's see. Verse 16 says, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He now says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is the body the fullness of him that filleth all in all praise god so we said uh we started this series um i think two weeks ago and we said that when he says paul was praying this prayer to the church of ephesus and he was praying for knowledge and we said knowledge is a Greek word, is from the word epignosis, and it means precise knowledge, accurate knowledge. So that shows the prayer that Paul was praying for the church was about power, knowledge, but epignosis, specific knowledge. He was praying for them to have a specific knowledge as touching something. Look at Colossians 1. Colossians 1. Colossians 1, verse 9. To 11 Colossians 1 verse 9 to 11 we're taking we're looking at dominion taking your place in Christ dominion all right Colossians 1 verse 9 to 11 it says for this cause we also since the day we had it do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye may be filled he used that word knowledge again it says that ye may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. It says that they might be filled with the knowledge 
of his will. Now look at Colossians, um, look at Ephesians 3, 19. Ephesians 3, verse 19. Or we can start from verse 16. Just go back to Ephesians 3, verse 16. He says that it will grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, being rooted and grounded in love, that he may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, and depth, and height. In 19 very cases, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. So that shows everything is specific and there is a designed purpose for everything. In 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, go to 1 Timothy 2 verse 4 very quickly. 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. You know, when you come to church, you have a lot of scriptures to open. You know, when you go to church and the preacher doesn't open a lot of scriptures for you, they are about to deceive you. hope you know. Because the life of Christianity is hinged on the scriptures. If you come to church and we do um, acquire to desire to refire to retire, then go to hellfire. The day we start doing it here, just carry your bag and leave. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because uh, we have thousands of things we have not yet thought from this scripture. So we, can, we don't have time for acquire to retire to desire to retire as to go to hellfire. That's why anytime you come here, prayer is very fast. We pray. We worship, and the next thing is we are on the word, right? We have we, we are fixed on studying God's word. All right, look at it. First Timothy two verse four, because once you know God's word, look at what it says: "Is to who we have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth." So that shows the goal of every Christian is that they are saved, right? But it's not just be them being saved but to come to the knowledge of the truth. Coming to the knowledge of the truth means you are growing spiritually. You are taking your place in Christ. You are understanding what, uh, what, what it is, the revelation of Jesus. That was what Paul said um, in Philippians 3, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So you must take a decision to know Jesus. You must take a decision to want to know the scriptures. So Paul was praying that prayer in Ephesians 1 that our minds will be flooded with light, will be flooded with knowledge. How do you want to grow as a believer without knowledge? How do you want to practice your faith without knowledge? How do you want to live your Christian life without knowledge? How do you want to grow spiritually without knowledge? It is not possible. It's like saying you have this microphone here and you don't know how to use it because you've not read the manual. So you need to understand what Christ has done for you in the res upon the resurrection. In Ephesians 1, he says knowledge, epignosis, that means complete facts. So you must have complete and precise facts of what Christ has done for you. You must have complete and precise facts of what he has done for you. If not, you are just going to be tossed around, just like in Ephesians 4. Go to Ephesians 4. Go there quickly. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Go to Ephesians 4. Let's see from verse 11. Ephesians 4 verse 11. 
he says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. So what's the work of the pastor? What's the work of the evangelist? What's the work of the apostle? What's the work of the prophet? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more what? Children, thus to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by slight of men, cunning, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So if you don't grow in knowledge, you're going to be deceived. That's why they will tell you, bring, um, um, Bring so come and so fifty dollars so that you can move to your next level. I, I heard a preacher in this America one day I was watching the TV. He says so ninety-one dollar for night for some ninety-one blessings. What, what what the hell is that? So ninety-one dollar for night for for some ninety-one blessings. He said, This how he said it. He said, if you don't sow it, you're just going to be deprived of certain blessings in your life. That is a scam. That is a scam. And you see a lot of godly people calling in and sowing that money just because of a $91 blessing. What is a, 90, what is a Psalm 91 blessing? <laughs> what is that? But you can't blame those people because they are not well taught. So they are still living in ignorance. First Timothy 2.4, he says, oh, We have all men saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So the goal of Christians or the goal of a man who has believed the gospel is that he is saved and is coming to the knowledge of the truth. So that shows, we are reading in Ephesians 1, that shows that what God has done in Christ Jesus, he has done for the believer. We were saying that last week, we said, what God has done in Christ Jesus, he has done for the believer today. So, you and I, we are not deprived of anything. In Ephesians 1 verse 3, look at what he has done for us. Go to Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1 verse 3. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has done what? Blessed us in all. It says, blessed us with all spiritual blessings. So that shows you are blessed, right? Do you have to sow anything to be blessed? No. It says he has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Look at in, look at in verse 4. According as he has chosen us in him. So that shows you have chosen. You are not rejected. You are accepted. So you must not have an identity crisis about yourself. You are chosen in him. He says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be what? Holy. So that means a man who has received the gospel is called what? Holy. And without blame before him in love. Look at in verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to his good pleasure of his will. To the praise of his glory, his grace, wherein he has made us. He has done what? Made us accepted in the beloved. So we are accepted in the beloved. So that shows you are not, you don't cry to, you know a lot of people say, you have to enter into a throne room. They tell you, play some chant music so that you can enter into the throne room. No, you have been accepted in the beloved. Glory to God. That is your reality. 
You are accepted in the beloved. So you don't need to cry. You don't need to play a chant music. You don't need to play a worship song to enter into the throne room. Just talk. Talk to your father. You are accepted in the beloved. Look at in verse 6. It says, To the praise of glory and grace wherein he has accepted us in the beloved. In verse 7. In whom we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to his riches of his grace. And I asked us last week, I said, is the riches of his grace material here? No. It means it's spiritual. It says, wherein he has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has proposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, we should gather together in all things in Christ. Both which are in heaven, and which are on earth, and which are in him. Look at what he says in verse 11. He says, in whom also we have obtained what? An inheritance. Being predestinated. When he says we have obtained an inheritance, it means something we didn't work for. That shows everything he has done in Christ Jesus, he has given us. What he did upon the resurrection, he has given you and I. So, his death is my death. His burial was my burial. His resurrection, I was risen with him. And his authority, he has given me upon the resurrection. That is why he says in Matthew 28 verse 18, he says, all power in heaven has been given to me. So that shows he has given us the same authority upon the resurrection. So the believer does not lack anything. So as a believer, you must learn to consciously feed on the right information about the scriptures and about yourself. If not, you are going to fall into an identity crisis. You must have the right information, have the right knowledge of what God has done in Christ Jesus for you. If not, you are going to fall into an identity crisis. You must know who you are and what God has done. He says, yes, we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated to his purpose and to his purpose according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Look at what he says in verse 14. He says, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Unto the praise and glory. In verse 13, he says, You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Someone say, The Holy Spirit is going to leave me. The Holy Spirit is going to leave me. No, he says, You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So upon the resurrection, you were sealed. The Holy Spirit is not going anywhere. You are not going anywhere. Hallelujah. Look at in Ephesians 2. Look at what he said. In Ephesians 2. Look at what let's start from verse 1. Let's let's go. He says, And you are too quickened. You who were dead in trespasses and sin, was that your life before you became born again? Right? All right, look at it. says, Wherein in time past ye have walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. That is the life of a man who has not received the gospel. Look at what it says in verse 3 Among whom we had our conversations in time past, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as to others. That's the life of a man who has not believed the gospel. But look at what it says in verse 4. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great Lord, where it he has loved us. Look at what he did in verse 5. Look at what he did in verse 5 for us. Let's read it together, everybody. One, two, ready, go. 
You are dead in sins. Are quickened us together by Christ. By grace ye are saved. Look at what it says in verse 6. Let's read it together. It's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. So what did he do? He has raised us up together. So that shows when you were born again, you were raised with him. He has raised us up together. And what, what is happening now? You are now seated with him in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So where is he seated? He's seated far above the heavens. That is where you are seated too. That is where you are seated. Someone say, oh, I don't even know where I am. I don't know who I am. I don't know what is going on with me. You are seated with Christ. That was seated with Christ there from the Greek word sokatizo in the Greek. It means an inseparable union. That is nothing can take you out from that position. Inseparable union. It says you are seated with Christ. Hallelujah. So the essence of revelation is to see what happens in Christ. The essence of revelation is to see what happened in Christ. Go to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 to 17. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 to 17. Are you learning something? You're not sounding like you mean. Are you learning something? All right. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 to 17. 2 Corinthians 5. He says, wherefore, henceforth, we know, I'll wait for you, 2 Corinthians 5, we're going to read it downwards. Are you there now? Yeah. Alright, he says, wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, though we have known Christ after the flesh. Yet now, henceforth, know we no more. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, what? All things have become new. When he says all things have become new, it means your identity has changed, right? Your, your face has changed. So that means where you used to sit before has changed, right? Right? You are now seated with him, right? That shows that you are now accepted in the beloved, right? That shows that you are now predestinated, right? That shows that you now have an inheritance, right? That shows you are now blessed in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, right? Guys, right? All right. So, he says, all things have become new. He now says, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, as committed unto us, the ministry has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. It now says, now we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you for us, we pray you in Christ that be you reconciled unto God. Look at what it says in verse 21. Very key. Let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. No, I'll wait for you, everybody. One, two, ready, go. To be seen. Who knew no sin? That we might be what? So that shows that is a new thing, right? So you have been made what? The righteousness of God in Christ. So that shows a man who has believed the gospel cannot claim that he is a sinner. He says he has taken that position and he has made us righteousness of God in Christ. So what we have in the new creation, that word new is from the Greek word kairos. What we have in the new creation is a brand new kind of being. That shows the very minute you believe that Christ rose again, you became a new kind of being. You became a new being, a brand new man. The brand new isn't written on your forehead that you are brand new. No. 
but you became a brand new man. In Christ, he is a new creation altogether. So Jesus, because when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose from the dead a brand new being. Jesus rose from the dead a brand new being. So what is written for us in Christ requires revelation. It requires us to have a full understanding, a full epignosis of it. Look at in Ephesians 2 verse 10 quickly. Go there, Ephesians 2 10. Ephesians 2 10. Don't forget we are still studying. Taking your place where? In Christ and dominion, right? Your authority. Look at Ephesians 2 10. It says, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. So that shows a believer is created to naturally do good. A believer is created. Somebody say, I don't know who I am. I'm just a sanguine. I'm just a melancholy. I'm a Libra. I'm a Cancer. I'm a Priestus. I'm a, is it Priestus or what do they call it? Uh, is it Priestus? Pisces. Ah, sorry. <laughs> I mean, what are that thing? This is it. Scorpio. Scorpio, I mean. Is it Scorpion or Scorpio? Right? What's, 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 what's those? Scorpio? Cancer, Scorpio, which other one? Libra, Mira, Leo. Leo. Okay, which other one? Aries, Sagittarius, Aquarius. What of Aquarium too? Uh, which other one? Uh, Gemini. Okay, which other one? Uh, that's all right. Uh, the one that the one that is funny the most is. Cancer. Why would somebody say he's cancer? <laughs> so a lot, a lot of people, that's how they define themselves. You see them, tell me about you. I'm a cancer. What's that? <laughs> I'm a Gemini. So you so you will not have to go and read all that Gemini Gemini people, they have a red head. They say Gemini, they have a red head, they are not they are not friendly. I don't know. I'm just guessing. No. Please, <laughs> they say Gemini. They have a red head. Um, uh, their nose is too big. They eat too much. Um, uh, uh, they don't smile to people. They just bone their face. They say, "So I'm a Gemini." That is not who you are. Hallelujah. That's not who you are. You are not a Cancer, Gemini, Leo. Libra, Aquarius, Cancer, everything. You are not that. <laughs> Glory to God. You are what the word says you are. Say, I am what the word says I am. Say, I am what the word says I am. I can do what the word says I can do. I about somebody asking you and say, Tell me who you are. You say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Somebody say, Who are you? You say, Oh, I've been delivered from death and I'm forced through life. So they ask you, who are you? You say, well, I am born again. Glory to God. So they say, ah, that's too boring. Ah, that's too boring. Can't I just say I'm a Libra? I think, I think me, I'm Libra. I think. I think people that are born in October are Libra people, have you? Wow, you, you, seem, you seem to, you seem to come out. It's like you have to teach the church. <laughs> you have to teach the church a special side because you seem to know it. Properly, so so imagine now that all you do in life is to be looking at people's days. Oh, you mastery is on cancer. <laughs> is that so? I know that my own October second. They used to say so I, I talked to somebody one day. Person said, "Tell me more about you." I said, "I'm born October second. Person said, "Huh? 
um, October 2nd. So you are Libra. I said, what's that mean? I said, Libra, check it. I said, ah, you mean Libra party? Like, like <laughs> he said, no, like, your sign. I said, we sign, like, you mean sign language? So he said, no, like, your sign, like, the sign that attract, like, matters to you. I said, the only sign that matters to me is the sign of the cross. Glory <laughs> to God. So that's not who I am. Glory to God. I say, Libra people, they are affectionate. They are too moody. They are too... That's not who I am. I'm not defined by Libra. I am defined by what the word says I am. Hallelujah. I don't have an identity crisis. Hallelujah. Just imagine you know. See, it's like saying you are seeing a mirror. Look at what James. Look at look, let's go to the book of James. Let's see something in James. Everybody, let's go there. Let's go to James. James. James 1. Let's go to James 1. Let's go to James 1. Let's go to James 1. James 1. He says, wait for, are, are we there, guys? Are, are you there? I'll wait for you. Let's read it together. One, two, ready to go. This one, verse 21. Let's go to James 1, verse 21. Let's go. Let's read it together, everybody. Wherefore, one, two, ready to go. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of nothingness and receive the meekness with engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. Look at what it says in verse 22. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers, deceiving your own self. Look at what it says in verse 23. Any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer is like a what? Look at what it says in verse 24. For he beholded himself and what? So now look at it. It's like saying the word of God has become our mirror. The word of God has become our mirror. So when we look at God's word, we see who we are in God's word. So he says, Whoso him, look at what he says. He says, For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, is like a man beholding his natural face in the glass. So what is your natural face? God's word. So it's like saying, you woke up this morning, you saw your face, you saw the bag on your eye and you didn't do anything about it. You saw that your ear was not brushed properly, you didn't do anything about it. You saw that you woke up and, you know, the speed, the white line dragged to this point and he didn't do anything. He said, I'm coming to church that way. That is how a lot of Christians are. So imagine you call yourself you are Cancer or you are Gemini or you are Scorpio or Scorpio. That is like saying that is giving yourself an identity crisis as a believer. Because you have the written word and the written word says something about you. Hallelujah. So what does the written word say about you? It says you are righteous. It says you are holy. It says you are accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. It says you are free from sins. It says there is no condemnation for you. Go to Romans 8 verse 1. Go to Romans 8 verse 1 everybody. Romans 8 verse 1. Romans 8 verse 1. Let's read it together. I'll wait for you. Romans 8 verse 1. Romans 8 verse 1. I think we're going to preach together in church this morning. We'll open the Bible. We'll read it together. Amen. <laughs> Romans 8 verse 1. Are we there? Yes. Are we there? Alright, let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. Yes, I'll wait for you. Some of you are still opening to it. Romans 8 verse 1. 
One, two, ready, go. There is therefore now no condemnation. What? Who walk not after what? So, are you condemned as a believer? No. You shouldn't have any condemnation as a believer. Some of you are still feeling, ah, I did something wrong yesterday. Yes, I know. But rise up from it. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, to those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So that shows, as a Christian, your life has changed. You are a brand new being. Glory to God. That is who you are. That is who you are. Go to Colossians 1. Go there quickly. Colossians 1. Colossians 1. We're going to read it together also. Colossians 1. Colossians 1. Let's start from verse 12. Colossians 1 verse 12. Colossians 1 verse 12. Are we there? Are we there? Colossians 1 verse 12. Are you learning something this morning? Are you seeing who you are, right? Alright, look at Colossians 1 verse 12. It says, let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. No, you're not sounding like you mean it. One, two, ready, go. In thanks unto the Father, which has made us to be partakers of the heritage of the saints in light. Verse 13. Who has what? Delivered us from the what? And what? Sailed us into the kingdom of what? In verse 14, what happened? Of reception, in his blood, even what? So do you have forgiveness of sins? Have you received redemption? Yes, Have you been delivered from the power of darkness? Have you been delivered from the power of darkness? Have you been translated into the kingdom of his dear son? Yes. I explained it to you last week. I said that delivered from the kingdom of darkness means the very minute you believe the gospel, you switch location. It's just like, and I told you, I gave you a story of my UK experience of how I went to the UK and I didn't know how to use the train stations. Now, and that is, is like saying you have switched position. You have switched place. You know, when you go to a new country, you have to learn the rudiments of the place. You have to learn the, the uh, what's, what is new about the place? You have to learn how they live their life, what they do, what, what is going on and what is not going on in the place. So, he says he has made us partakers of an inheritance in the saints who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of light. So, now that we are in the kingdom of light, can you still be a Gemini? No. Can you still be a sanguine? No. Someone say, I have strong head, so I'm a choleric. No, you are not a choleric. You are a born of God. Say, I'm born of God. That is who you are. Glory to God. That is who you are. So a believer needs to feed consciously on his reality. He needs to feed consciously on his reality. You need to feed so much on what God has done in Christ Jesus for you. You need to feed on your reality. What has done in Christ Jesus for you? So, everything Jesus did, he did it in Christ. And we are in Christ. He says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16 and 17, he says, well, uh, look at it in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16 and 17 one more time. Go there quickly. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16 and 17. Are you learning something this morning? 
The verse 17, he says, Therefore, if any man be in what? In Christ, he is a new what? Creature. All things are what? Passed away. Behold, all things have become what? New. So, if any man be where? In Christ. So, if somebody asks you, where are you now? You say, you are in where? In Christ. I'm in Christ. And in Christ, there is no sickness. In Christ, there is no shame. In Christ, there is no condemnation. In Christ, there is no sin. In Christ, there is holiness. There is righteousness. There is sanctification. There is justification. In Christ, we have been accepted in the beloved. In Christ, we have been made to sit with him in heavenly places. In Christ, we have authority far above all principalities and power. In Christ, we have received what it is for life and death. In Christ, we have been justified. In Christ, we have been made free in Christ we have been set free in Christ we have made kings and priests in Christ God has done everything what God did in that three days upon the resurrection he did it in Christ and that has been given to you so let nobody deceive you and tell you you are a sinner no a man who has believed the gospel he says he that knew no sin did what became sin right it's like saying you owe a debt right it's like saying you owe a debt right let's say um let's say our brother here holds a debt right and i paid the debt right is he still in debt no so he says he that became sin for us who knew no sin, so that we can be what? Look at verse 21. That's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. Let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. One, two, ready, go. Let's start again. Who knew no sin, so that we can be what? So that means he took something from us and gave us what? Righteousness. So imagine you see yourself in that consciousness. A lot of people live wrong because they keep seeing themselves as sinners. A lot of Christians keep doing the wrong thing because they have an identity crisis. So they keep struggling and keep saying, Oh, I'm going through an addiction. Oh, I'm going through this. How do I settle this? Oh, how do I do it? It's because you keep having an identity crisis. If you know who you are, you will live well. Just imagine tomorrow your dad told you and said, He's actually a very rich man. That he's this, this, this like, um, a million dollars somewhere that he buried down the, the a billion dollars that he buried down on the basement of your house that it is for you you know if you see that text this morning in service you will leave you won't wait for me to finish service today you know that? <laughs> I'm not a billionaire you just see a text boom like I have one billion in our basement. Come and get it now. You won't even look at. You won't. You know your identity will change immediately. I don't know if you know what I'm saying. Like you will just start thinking of Tesla. Start thinking of okay, like all the cars, all the houses. You know how many things will spin through your head? Okay, private jet. Okay, I'll settle this. Be you know how many things will spin through your head? That is having an identity crisis. Are you seeing it now? Your identity will change immediately. In fact, your speech will change. Like, even if you decide to now wait after service, when people are greeting you and say, you, you don't say, you what? Yeah. Even when they are singing, they say, you, 
you got a good work man. I'm rich, man. <laughs> that is identity crisis, right? That is because you know yourself, because you have now become rich. So that is exactly how it is when a man has believed the gospel. If you know who truly you are, you will live well. Hallelujah. Praise God. So he has made us righteous. Hallelujah. He has made us holy. He has made us accepted in the beloved. He has blessed us with all blessings and everything in all spiritual places. So everything he did in Christ Jesus, he has done it for what? For us in Christ. Hallelujah. Does it make sense to you? Does it make sense? Alright. Now look at, let's go back to our Ephesians 1 verse 17. Let's look at where we started again. So don't forget, it says, everything he did where is in what? In Christ, right? Alright, look at the Ephesians 1 verse 17 to, these are our anchor texts in this series. It says, that the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, may give unto you the spirit of what? Wisdom and revelation what? In the knowledge. So now use my example of the billion dollars, right? You have wisdom, right? You have revelation that huh, it is in the basement. I am rich, right? So the eyes of your understanding is now open to what? To know the riches of it, to hope of his calling, the riches of the glory in the inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power. So that means your mind is open to see the riches, right? The wealth you have. That I'm such a I'm such a rich guy. You know? So that is what Paul was praying for us. That as Christians, our mind will be opened to see exactly what God has done in Christ Jesus for us. So he called it the hope of his calling. He called it the riches of his glory in the earth as in the saints. He called it the exceeding greatness of his power to us who all do believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand, far above all principalities and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all so he said what is the exceeding greatness of his power which he so um what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards the world who believe according to the working of his mighty power so that shows upon the resurrection of christ he has given you and i power so you and i just need to understand what this power is all about he has given us exceeding greatness and i told you i said he gave us what jesus what god did upon the resurrection of jesus he used all his power to raise him from the dead it's just like you are playing a card. I explained it to you and I said, it's like you are playing a card and you are saying, last card, check out. So that last card was the power to raise Jesus from the dead. So he says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? So Paul is saying that our eyes will be opened to see the exceeding greatness of his power towards what? That is, to us, who do believe, that is, what is the exceeding greatness of his power that is available in the believer? So that shows, as you are seated right here, there is an exceeding greatness of his power in you. Exceeding greatness of power is in you. You just have to find out. You just have to know what it is. And he explained the power and described the power this way. He says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now look at power. How do you explain 
that nobody came to wake Jesus up. Somebody died on his own. And by himself, he opened his eyes back after three days. How do you want to explain it? That's power. So Paul described that same power that is in you in that way. He said, see, there is an exceeding greatness of his power. And he was praying for us, don't forget, that our eyes of understanding will be opened to see that power that God has given us. And he described it in this way. The power that he used to raise Jesus from the dead. See, Jesus died three days and three nights. He, he, he died. When I mean died, you know what it means for someone to die. He was gone. And on the third day, he came back himself. That's power. So imagine that type of power that can raise the dead. <laughs> Paul is saying that power is in you. Hallelujah. Say the power of God is in me. You're not sounding like you mean it. So he said that power is in you. So, and you know, we don't, we don't pray for power. No, 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 we don't. Mm -mm. It's a wrong prayer to say, Lord, give me power. Give you power for what? He has given you in Christ. So, look at what Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 18. So, the authority in Christ Jesus is given to me. Say the authority in Christ Jesus. The is given to me. Now, look at what Jesus said in Matthew 28. Go to Matthew 28, verse 18. He says, and Jesus came. Now, this was after the resurrection. Jesus came and said unto them, he says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And the authority of Christ is not material things. The authority is, is what he has, we have it. He says, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. We don't pray for power. When we pray, our authority is released in prayer. When we pray, it's like we get more conscious of our authority. The essence of prayer is not so that we will be more powerful. No, it's so that we are more conscious of our power. It is dispensed more as we pray. Because our authority is spiritual. Our authority doesn't also come from prayer. So, he has given us that power. So, he says, her power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Look at Romans 8 verse 20. So, when Jesus says something like that, he's indirectly talking to us. Now, let me explain that to you. Look at in Romans 8. Romans 8. Go to Romans 8. I told you, you will always open the scriptures in this church. You are, the day you come to church and we don't open scriptures, just know that we want to deceive you. Just know that this, these people want to deceive you. That, ah, deceit is coming. <laughs> Alright, look at Matthew 8 verse 29. Romans 8, sorry. Romans 8 verse 29. It says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his son. Look at what he says. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That word conform is the word somopho in the Greek. It is not a gradual something. It means to be born like someone. To be born like someone. Somopho means just like the first one. So look at what he says in this text. He says that. 
to be confirmed that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. When we say firstborn, that word firstborn in the Greek is the word prototokos in the Greek. It's like it means prototype, like a model. You know, if they want to create an iPhone now, let's use an iPhone, they will create a sample, right? And they will create a template. And they will work on that template and see the mistakes, see all the error on just that one template, right? And if they see that that one is perfect, they will build every other iPhone on that one template. I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about. Those of you in, those of you that do lab and all of those things and all of those experiments, you will first do one, right? Then you will build other experiments from that one. I mean. No, sorry, I hate science, so I might be wrong. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> okay, good. All right, so now, that is what a firstborn is from the scripture. Now, you know why, why you are thinking firstborn is somehow because of the way we call firstborn in our today's word. But in the Greek, when they say firstborn, firstborn means prototoku, a sample of all of God's children. So Jesus raised from the dead as a firstborn. A sample for us, a model, a type, a prototype for us. So that shows upon the resurrection, when we see Jesus, we see ourselves. I see myself just like I see him. Upon the resurrection, did he rise? Now, let me ask you a question. When he rose from the dead, did he rise with all authority and power? Did he? So now, that has become a what? A prototype for us. A model for us. Because we also will also be risen from the dead, right? That is, we will be dead, we will be buried, and we will rise again upon us believing the gospel. So that means, when we believe the gospel, we have a prototype, right? Right, guys? So when he says, all authority is given to me, can you say, all authority is given to you too? Can you say that? Alright, good. Now, because he is the firstborn. That's why you hear he is the firstborn from the dead. Firstborn from the dead means he has done it, he has paved the way for us so that now when we now believe the gospel, we can see a model. We can see a type to follow. We can see an example for us. Are you seeing it? So, you will see, so when we are born again, we are born again as God's image. In Hebrews 2 verse 10. Look at Hebrews 2 verse 10. Let's look at something quickly. Hebrews 2 verse 10. So anytime you see firstborn, that word firstborn in the New Testament, when you are reading the scripture, what should you see it as? Prototype, right? Prototype, right? So, because time will fail me to walk through all the text of firstborn in the scripture. But when you see firstborn in the New Testament, you are looking at what? A prototype. A sample. A first, right? Because this package must not. It's like saying, um, it's like saying you want to do a sample. I remember the day uh, one of you started cooking or doing cooking business. They brought me a pie as a sample. I will not mention the person's name, but they brought me a pie. Pastor, eat this. Let me see if my business can glow. So me too. I ate it. I said, hmm, with the way I'm seeing this thing, it's too, it don't look like you have a career in this. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> I was just joking. But that was the prototype. 
But thank God, the prototype, I had the prototype before she gave the prototype to somebody else. The person is in this church, but I will not mention the person. Some of you, I didn't know the person, but I will not mention the person. The person is seated in this room. <laughs> I'm just joking. Hebrews 2 verse 10. Hebrews 2 verse 10. Alright, look at what he says. He says, For it became him, for whom are all things, by whom all things in bringing many sons unto glory. He says, To make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. When he say captain, captain doesn't mean class captain like you had in <laughs> in high school, you know, class captains are always wicked. Those of you that, I don't know if we went to an African kind of high school here. Let me see. Let me see your end. Okay. When they say class captain, think, think, think. That wicked guy that's always write noisemaker and put everybody's name ties too. I don't know if they used to write noisemaker in yours, in your high school. Say noisemaker times two. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. It says, Captain. That word captain means one who leads us in triumph. One who leads us in triumph. So we see our salvation in him. So when he says captain of our salvation, it means it's not mean it doesn't mean the class captain, one who just be leading us. No. It just means one who leads us in triumph, who leads us in our victory. So he says he has given us, so we have become firstborns. So we have seen a model, we've seen our example, and his authority is in the church. Look at Matthew 16, verse 18. Are you learning something this morning, guys? Are you sure? Yes, All right. Is it making sense? All right. Look at Matthew 16, verse 18. Let's go there quickly. Are you there? I'll wait for you. Matthew 16, verse 18. Like I say, you have to get used to opening the Bible. How do, how do I call myself a preacher if I cannot preach from the scriptures? <laughs> Matthew 16 verse 18. Are you there? Alright, it says, And I say unto you, It says, I say unto you that thou art Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates Hovel shall not prevail against it. When he says this rock there, he's not talking to Peter. This rock means upon what Peter has said. And what did Peter said in verse 17, he says, Thou, look at in verse 16, Peter answered and said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. So Jesus said, Upon this rock, that is upon what you have said, I will build my church and the gates of hell. That word gates there means authority of hell. That word hell there means Hades, place of the dead, Sheol in the Greek, the place of the dead. So that means, he said, the gates of hell will not stop me. The place of the dead will not stop my resurrection. That means I will build my church and the gates of hell. That word build there is from the word oikodomio in the Greek. It means to build up, to establish something that has happened once, to establish something, to build up. So Jesus was telling Peter and say, upon what you have said, the gates of hell will not stop my resurrection. I will come out from the dead. I will come out from the dead. 
So, when he says in verse 19, I will give you the keys. That word keys there means it will give us access. It will give us access. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That whatsoever thou shalt bind in heaven, whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He says, I will give you the keys of my kingdom. So he says, it will give us the authority. It will give us access. So when we believe the gospel, he has given us access. So it means I will come out from the dead and I will build my church. I will give you access. I will give you access. And he says, whatsoever you bind on it will be done what? Will be bound in heaven. Look at Hebrews 2 verse 14. Hebrews 2 verse 14. Let's go there quickly. Hebrews 2 verse 14. Hebrews 2 verse 14. Are you learning something this morning? Alright, look at Hebrews 2 verse 14. Hebrews 2 verse 14. He says, For as much, I'll wait for you. Are you there? Is everybody there? If you're there, let me see your hands. Okay, good. Alright, Hebrews 2 verse 14. He says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that has the power of death, that is the devil. It might destroy him that has the power of death, that is the devil. That word to destroy there is from the word categorio in the Greek. It means to put the reign of someone to an end. So Jesus, upon the resurrection, put the reign of Satan to an end. He put the reign of Satan to an end. So, I will, so Jesus told us in that Matthew 16, he said, I will rise from the dead and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So it means he will put, and in this place he says, he will destroy. That word destroy, category in the Greek is to put the reign of someone to an end, to annul, to paralyze his authority. So Jesus has already paralyzed the authority of Satan. He has. Look at Colossians 2. Look at Colossians 2. Colossians 2. Look at Colossians 2 verse 15. Colossians 2 verse 15. Let's look at the Colossians 2 verse 15. Too many scriptures, right? <laughs> Reverend Kingsley will say, too many scriptures good for your health. <laughs> Colossians 2 verse what? 15. Are you there? Let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. Oh, no, you're not there. Let's wait. All right, one, let me give you a little more time. All right, are you there now? Is everybody there? All right, one, two, ready, go. This spoils principalities and power, right? He makes sure of them openly triumphing over them, what? In it. So, the believer is not called to defeat the devil. Listen to what I'm saying. As a believer, you are not called to defeat the devil. Because the devil has already been defeated. Hallelujah. You are not called to defeat the devil. The devil has already been defeated. Jesus has already defeated him. So, you are not on a search or on a quest or on a journey to defeat the devil. He has already been defeated. 
So, if we are seated in Christ, like we read in Ephesians 2, that we are seated with Christ, we are not looking for authority. The devil cannot be defeated because he has been defeated already. He has already been defeated. He has been stripped off of his power. His reign has been brought to an end via the resurrection of Jesus. So, I am seated on the defeat of the enemy. So, when he says I am seated in heavenly places in Christ, it means I am seated upon the defeat of the enemy. That's why the scripture can let us know and say, He is under my foot. I am seated. So, when he says I am seated, what's next? It means I got to reign. Psalm 110 verse 1. Look at Psalm 110 verse 1. Psalm 110 verse 1. Psalm 110 verse 1. He says, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. That word footstool there means to reign, to exercise authority, to reign, to exercise authority. So to make your enemies, your footstool means to execute authority. You execute your authority. In Hebrews 10 verse 13, Hebrews 10 verse 13. Quickly, Hebrews 10 verse 13. Hebrews 10 verse 13. Hebrews 10 verse 13. It says, From henceforth, expecting his enemies be made his footstool. So look, look at Romans 5 verse 17 also. Romans 5 verse 17. Romans 5 verse 17. It says, For if by once, one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall... You know, have we received the gifts of righteousness? Have we? Right? We said we are righteous, right? So now it says, they who receive the gift of righteousness, what will happen to them? One, two, ready. What will happen to them in verse 17? Shall do what? So he says, we will reign in life. That will reign in the word, is the word basileo. It means you will rule. You will have control. Reign means to rule, to have control. So he says, they will reign in life. Say, I reign in life. Reign. You're not sounding like you mean it. He says, you will rule, you have control. I hope you know, you, I told you last week, I said, you don't reign over human beings. So. Not that you get to your office and say, I reign over you. You can look at your boss and say, boss, I rule over you. <laughs> I have authority over you. <laughs> I will deny you that I taught you this message. <laughs> you don't reign over human beings. So. Look at in Revelations 5 verse 10. Let's read this together. Revelations 5 verse 10. Let's do a fast opening. Who is there? Revelation 5 verse 10. I like the flipping of the pages. It's good. <laughs> Revelation 5 verse 10. 
Who is there? We're, good. We're there already? Let me see your hand if you're there. All right, cool. Let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. No, you're not reading. No, with one, two, ready, go. He has made us what? So we are kings and what? So are you Gemini? Are you Scorpio? <laughs> are you Cancer? <laughs> Wait, is that really Cancer like C A N C E R? Really? You, Jesus! Really? So it's really C A N C E R? So I should be telling myself, I should wake up every morning and be telling myself I'm a cancer. Go for beat. I remove. <laughs> really? And some people are, you know, some people on their um, IG profile. You know, see, if I, I think it has a, does it have a color? Does it have signs and color? Emojis? They will put cancer, they will put. Really? So later now, when they have the real cancer, they will now be saying, oh, Lord, heal me, Lord, heal me. When they cost it for themselves. Why will you wake up in the morning and be saying you are a cancer? <laughs> what does it mean? Does it have another meaning that probably I'm too old school to know? Does it wait? I really want to know. Does it have another meaning? Like, this, is there a definition? I say, for you to be a cancer, this is the meaning. Is, does he just date of birth? Yeah, you you are what science I'll be Scorpio teacher here, yeah, I'll be <laughs> just date of birth. Ha! So I should just be born now and by date of birth we just automatically as <laughs> just via my date of birth, I'm automatically a cancer. Ah, I remove button. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know. So there's something like that. You see, I'm a cancer. Ah, no. Why am I even saying no? I'm not a cancer. <laughs> wow. That's serious. Alright, let's get back to the word. Revelation 5 verse 10. And has made us unto our God kings. I'd rather say I'm a king and a priest than saying I'm a cancer. Hallelujah. He has, he has made me kings and priests. And you see what God has done in Christ Jesus for you? He has made us kings and priests. So that we can do what? We can reign on the earth. So look at our authority. We have to reign on the earth. So the word reign means you will use your authority. You are going to use your authority. And your authority is not over human beings like I said. You are going to use your authority. You are, going to, you are going to have to use your authority because he has made you what? Kings and priests on the earth. He has made you kings and priests on the earth. How did Je So the question is, how did Jesus use his authority? How did Jesus use the authority? Because don't forget, he always say, Jesus always said, the son of man has authority. How did he use his authority? Look at James 4 verse 7. There, there is an action to authority. Tell your neighbor, say there is an action to authority. authority. You are not sound like you mean. Look at another neighbor, say there is an action to authority. No, look at another person and say there is an action to authority. Look at James 4 verse 7. Submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil and he will do what? He will flee from you. 
It is on your own accord. Resist there means to oppose, to confront him. Resist the devil. Resist him on your health. The devil is behind sicknesses and diseases. The devil is behind every pain. John 10, the thief come but to steal, to do what? To kill and to destroy. Anything that is not looking good is the devil. Resist there means to oppose, to confront, to make to stop. And many a times it is true men. You just see the action, you just see that things are just going south. True men. Resist there means to confront. You're going to have to confront it. A lot of us are too like a dicey about the devil. We kind of want to pity him. We say, oh, because we, we, because we, we eat so many McDonald's and drink so many McFlurries, so we're just like, okay, I'm just too, you know, <laughs> I don't, I, I just, I just don't want to, I just don't want to, I just don't want to, want to, gonna disturb anybody. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, if you do not disturb anybody, they will disturb you. <laughs> You have to confront. Hallelujah. You have to. You are dealing with anxiety. Dealing with something. Dealing with depression. You have to use your words. What is the devil doing with your body? You confront it. 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Go there. 1 Peter 5 verse 8. 1 Peter 5 8. Just flip your pages backward. 1 Peter 5 8. Look at what it says. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about doing what? Seeking who he may devour. So we have to use our authority. We have to use our authority. We must confront. Ephesians 6. Go to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Many a times they come as men. You don't see men just disturbing you. Men just trying to act difficult all of a sudden. They promise you that there's something is going to, they're just acting difficult. Look at what it says. Verse 10. Ezekiel says, verse 10. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put your whole armor of God. Look at what it says. That ye may be able to do what? Read it together. That you may be able to do what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. Let's read verse 12. One, two, ready, go. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the armor of God, that you may be able to what? Stand in the evil day. It says, having done all to stand. In verse 14, he now says, stand therefore. It's on your watch. You have something to do. You see that things are just going bad in your family, in your career, in your business. You've got to use your authority. You've got to use your authority. These are not times to be gentle. And let me tell you, the devil keeps looping about in every places. You see people, they are deaf and dumb. People, they, are, they, are, they, are, they, they say they've been, they've been having one particular sickness for the past 15 years and you think that's not the devil? 
Why would you be having a particular problem for the past 15 years, 20 years, and you think that's not the devil? That's the devil. The fact that you are thinking is not the devil is actually the devil. Because he doesn't want you to know. Go and listen to the message. I thought a message. Go on SoundCloud. What does the devil really want? Go and listen to it. What does the devil really want? I thought that message a couple of years ago. Go on our, on our SoundCloud and listen to that message. What does the devil really want? He doesn't want you to know that he's behind certain situations. So, you've got to use your authority. Reign, does it? When he says reign, he says you are going to reign in life. Reign means you are going to rule. You are going to control. I gave you a story of an example of how um, I got to a job. I got to a job, um, and immediately they made somebody a team lead, and immediately she started ruling. She has never talked all throughout the orientation. Three weeks, we've not heard her voice. The very day they made, they just said, "All right, um, I think you should lead. You should be the leader of all this orientation, <laughs> men and brethren." <laughs> you know women. I'm sorry, women. I'm sorry, women. But you know yourselves. <laughs> you say, um, where are you going to? Ah, uh, you just became our leader. <laughs> and the whole entire thing has changed. <laughs> That's rule. That's authority. Reign means you are the major. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean like you are a governor or you are something. No, it just means you, you know who you are. Look at Matthew 8. Let's go there. Let's see an example there. Matthew 8. Very key. Let's go to Matthew 8, everybody. Matthew 8. Are you learning something this morning? So you see yourself having, having certain... Uh, you see yourself fighting addictions. You just... Those are the times to use your authority. You see yourself fighting certain stronghold. You know this is too much for you. You've got to use your authority. You've got to use your authority. And many of these things, the devil comes, he comes in as men. Look at Matthew 8, verse 8. So let's start from verse 8. Let's read it together, brethren. One, two, ready, go. No, we're not, we're not sounding like, we're not sounding like, one, two, ready, go. One, two, ready, go. And the centurion answered and said, But speak. Look at what it says in verse 9. For I am a what? A man. Look at what he said. He says, I am a man under authority. Now, what does a man under authority? He says, having soldiers under me. What do they say? Read the next phrase. That is how a man under authority speaks. I am a man under authority means I was given the authority. So he says, and I say to this man, do what? Go and he what? Go it. So that shows that they will not act. Nothing will happen until I say. You know when you are, it's like you are a boss at work. You know, if you have not given any command, nobody is going to do anything. If you've not told anybody to start passing this pathway 
and people should not pass this pathway anymore, you know, nobody is going to know, right? You are the one that have to make the rule, right? Right, guys? So imagine, so that shows everything is dependent on you. And now he, has, he said he has made you what? Kings and priests to reign on the earth. So you've got to use your authority. You've got to use your authority. So they will not act until I say. And authority is not silently used. Authority is not silently used though. No. In the believer's authority, words are expressed. That's why your boss at work will tell you, no, I'm not giving you the vacation. That's an authority. It's not as if something will go wrong in the company if they give you that vacation. <laughs> you know, it's not as if it's just like even our teachers, all the professors in school. It's not as if anything, the world will end if we don't submit the assignment 1159. What will happen? No, tell me the truth. What will happen if you don't submit Sunday 1159? What exactly will happen? Is it not cash? Is she not her or she that made the law? Can they bend it? But authorities, if you don't submit the level 59, 10% done. Or some of some people will say late point. Or some will not even mark it at all. So wicked ones, the one that don't have the fear of God. <laughs> submit 1201 problem. Say sorry, it was 1201. And that they will say, they will say very politely. I'm so sorry, it was just 1201 you submitted. Authority is not silently done. In the believer's authority, words are expressed. Are your words apologetic? Are your words full of fear? Are your words filled with so many? Your words are just neutral. Your words are full of fear, doubt. You can't use your authority like that. Authority is expressed in simple words. He says, I say to one, go, and he goeth. Just say, you devil, get out of here. That's all. Simple words. Authority is expressed in simple words. And that is why you, you've got to feed on what Christ has done for you. That's why the first thing about your authority is you must never joke with your words. Never joke with your words. Because your words carry power. Never joke with your words. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 4. Go to Ecclesiastes 8 verse 4. Let me show you something there. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 4. Let's go there. Let's open there quickly. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 4. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 4. You must not joke with your words. You don't say negative things with your words. You don't. Because your words are filled with power. Go to Ecclesiastes 8 verse 4. Are you there? Are we there? Let's read it. I'll wait for you. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 4. I'll wait for you. <laughs> so authority is expressed in simple words. I'll wait for you. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 4. Words carry meaning. That's why you must learn to confess God's word 
about your authority. Talk about it regularly. I'm a king and a priest. Are you there? Precisely in verse 4. Are you there now? Are we there now? Let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. Where the word of a king is, there is power. Who is the king? Remember? Revelations 5 verse 10, right? He said he has made us what? Kings and what? Priests. So who is a king? So where the word of a king is, there is what? There's power. Power. Power means you must be assertive. You must be assertive. You must be assertive with power. You must be assertive with your words. Learn to feed regularly on your authority in Christ. Talk about them regularly. Talk about them regularly. Talk about your authority regularly. Confess them regularly. You must be assertive with them. You must. Words of authority are brief. They are short. They are sharp. They are simple. You must. You must be very assertive with them. The believer is on the throne and he must be sharp. I begin to close now. He must be sharp. Look at Mark 4. Mark 4. Are we learning something this? Look at Mark 4. Mark 4. Verse 36. So, we must learn to exercise. I'll give you a challenge. Write down things that God has done for you in Christ and constantly feed on them. Constantly feed on them. Constantly. Look at Mark 4. Look at how Jesus used his authority. Mark 4, are we there? Are we there? Are we there? All right. He says, look at in verse 36. He says, and when they had sent them away, the multitudes came, took him, even as he was with the sheep, as they were with other little sheep. And the great storm of wind and the waves beat into the sheep, so that he was now full. In verse 38, he says, as he was in the inner part of the sheep, asleep on the pillow, they awakened him and said, Master, carest not that we perish? And in verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And there was a great calm. Look at what he said. Do you see? Jesus did this stress, right? What did he say? Peace be what? Be still. Because he recognized his authority. Hallelujah. He recognized his authority. So the believer is on the throne. Hallelujah. The believer is on the throne. The words of authority are brief, short and sharp. So we can say to one, go and he goeth. We can say to one, come and he cometh. So when you find the devil locking around certain situations in your life, what do you do? You use your words, right? You speak to it, right? Peace be still, right? You see storms in your life. You say, peace be what? Be still. You see things not working. You've tried. You've applied effort. You've done things. You see things are not working. You use your words. You apply your words to that situation. 
And I dare you, I tell you, things are going to change. Things are going to change by the power of God. Since I'm a man under authority, I say to one, go. Are we men under authority here? Are you sure about that? Let's be on our feet this morning. And just speak over your life. Speak over situations over your life. We are men of our authority. We exercise dominion over the works of darkness. And we see results. We say to one, go and he goeth. We say to one, come and he cometh. And we say, peace be still. Lift your voice and just thank him and just use your authority and your words. Lift your voice. Thank him, Lord Jesus.